Welcome to Sex Chat for Christian Wives. We're four marriage and sex bloggers. Discuss the naked truth. What does God really want for the sexual intimacy in our marriage? I'm Jay Parker of Hot, Holy, and Humorous. I'm Chris Taylor from The Forgiven Wife. I'm Gay Christmas of Calm, Healthy, Sexy. I'm Bonnie Burns of Oyster Bed 7. I'm Chris Taylor from The Forgiven Wife. If you're a wife who struggles with sex, avoids it, and says no a lot, I want you to know that I've been there too. And I have a new intimacy mentoring program just for you. I can give you support, information, and encouragement as you figure out how to work on sex in your marriage. If you aren't quite ready to commit to mentoring, check out my Intimacy Encouragement email subscription. You don't have to walk this journey alone. Learn more at ForgivenWife.com. So today, friends, we are so glad you're with us. We have worked hard to get our schedules all aligned, and we are thrilled to welcome Dr. Julie Slattery to our kitchen table. Julie is a clinical psychologist and is a humble servant of God in many public forums. She now serves as president of Authentic Intimacy, a nonprofit that helps believers understand and apply God's design of sexuality. We've invited Julie because her latest book, Rethinking Sexuality, God's Design, and Why It Matters, is very important. It reframes sex from a purity conversation to a gospel conversation. And the heart of this book is Jesus. And we want to discuss some of its main points with her today. So thank you so much, Julie, and welcome. Yeah, good to be with you. Thanks for having me. It's our, it's our privilege. Yeah, we're a but, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, but we're just going to dive right in because our time is limited. Um, one comment that you make in the book, Julie, is that we are all sexually broken, even those who were virgins on their wedding nights. Can mm. you explain this a little bit? Yeah, you know, I think traditionally um, in church settings, we think of sexuality as some people are broken because they've had sex outside of marriage, or maybe they're addicted to pornography, you name it. There's certain categories, and everybody else is whole. Everybody else has it together. Uh, and, you know, for example, somebody that is a virgin on their wedding night, you're like, okay, they made it. You know, they, they, they fulfilled the script that they were supposed to, so they're good to go. But in reality, uh, all of us have had the gift of sexuality, um, tarnished in some ways, you know, I'd say even um, from maybe well-meaning but harmful messages from the church about sexuality being shameful, um, particularly as a woman, sexual desire being a bad thing or a dangerous thing. Um, so I really believe that all of us, you know, if we dig deep enough into our stories of how we learned about sex and what we've experienced, we all have lies that we're believing and areas of our sexuality that aren't what God designed them to be. Yeah, but, and I, th I think we'd all agree with that here at this table. <laughs> but the beauty of rethinking sexuality is that you bring hope into the, into the picture. And that hope, it's knowing that sexuality is a place where Satan loves to attack because it's so vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, so let's go around the table and ponder why the enemy likes to attack our sexuality and maybe include ways that we can deflect the attacks. I've always looked at it as a really healthy and holy sexual relationship with my husband parallels that intimacy that I will one day experience with God. And of course, God wants to separate, or, you know, Satan wants to separate us. And so like attacking my whole sense of what intimacy is, 
that has the potential of interfering with my relationship with God, and that's what makes the enemy happy. And when I look at my own story and all the years when sex was such a struggle, everything I was going through with my husband exactly paralleled the relationship, the struggle I was having with, with God. And as I healed the relationship with my husband, it also healed the relationship with God. So I just see that parallel as exactly why the enemy wants to attack me, because it's where it will hurt me the most. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree that I think that how you view yourself sexually can really affect how you view yourself in relationship to God. And um, I was not one of those who reached my wedding night as a virgin. And I had a lot of messages even going into marriage that um, that wanting and enjoying sex the way I did was kind of still a bad girl thing. And even even in the confines of marriage, it was still hard to push off that that was – that maybe I was just a little too into it. <laughs> And I, and what I've often said is kind of, I had, uh, sadly, I actually kind of had the word slut that would sometimes go through my mind and, um, and make me feel like, well, if that's what I am, then I'm not really worthy of being God's child. I'm not really, um, okay with him. And so it just, it really colored how I saw myself and whether God could really love me fully. So that's why I think that's definitely a way to attack us is is that Satan will put these messages in our head about who you are based on something sexually. And then you can think that that's who you are, how God sees you. It took me longer to forgive myself, certainly, than it took God to forgive me. I mean, I just think that anything, you know, that should be beautiful, joyous, uh, to our benefit, that building us up is a a target for attack. Sexual intimacy ought to be all of those things. And so it just provides a lot of different angles, I guess, or targets. Uh, you know, it's not, there's not just one way to, to drag us down, you know, through sexuality. There are a lot of different ways. And mm-hmm. I think maybe that's mm-hmm. one reason why it's an attractive target. And then that means there's a number of different ways to find the healing too. My personal story is that I had to figure out, Satan was telling me that sex within marriage was dirty. That was the message I received before marriage that, that for some reason I consumed. But um, so I had to figure out whether it was a dirty place or if it was a sacred place. And I think when we understand how and why it is sacred, we can begin to build a bridge between our sexuality and God. And I think Rethinking Sexuality, the book, helps us understand these things. Yeah, um, it's really kind of giving a bigger picture of why sexuality matters. You know, I think a lot of people, particularly within a Christian context, don't know how to make sense of their sexuality. Um, Sex just seems like this thing that there's a list of rules around. You're not supposed to do this or think this. You are supposed to do this. But there's no context for why did God create us as sexual people? Why is it a spiritual battleground? Why does it even matter that you would seek healing and restoration? I think there are an awful lot of Christian women who just have kind of resigned themselves to this part of me being broken or unfulfilling Mm -hmm. and just said, well, it doesn't really matter that much. It's just maybe a little part of my marriage 
But when you get the bigger picture of why sexuality is so sacred and why it's under such attack, it gives you a reason to fight. Uh, and it's so much more than just, I want a good marriage. It's, you know, this is a sacred ground that I've conceded to Satan and I don't want him to have it in my life anymore. So um, rethinking sexuality is really kind of challenging the paradigm that most of us are are using addressing our sexuality. Yeah, I think that's such a core switch that we have to flip in our minds that, you know, just having that foundation of understanding that this is important and good and sacred and and can be a place that reflects the gospel is just, I don't know, I just think that when that kind of sunk in, for me, I know that that really opened up a lot of things. So I really appreciate that you're focusing on that. Well, that was a huge switch for me. I mean, you know, I, like some of your stories, the first 10 years of my marriage, you know, sexual sexual intimacy wasn't great. And I was OK with that. Um, and I was so angry at what the enemy was doing with sexuality in the world. You know, all the pornography, all the destruction, the trafficking, you name it. Mm-hmm. And then I began to see that the area that God had given me and my life was tarnished in its own way. And I was really, without realizing it, contributing to the brokenness. Um, and, you know, the place that we start to make a difference is by asking God to reclaim sexuality in our own lives. Um, you know, that's how we fight. It's not just being upset about what's happening in the world. I think that's really important that you say that because we're, we're seeing so many articles right now. I know Chris just shared one with us about uh, what was, I don't know, one of the Baptist churches the independent fundamental Baptist church is that big article that the star telegram just put out yeah, with deep and investigation s- and hundreds and, reading, and hundreds of situations. It's yeah, heartbreaking. It is. And reading those makes me feel despondent because it's like, what can I do? But Julie's just told us work on our own sexual intimacy, our own understanding of what sex is in regards to, to God's, design and that's how we can fight it that's well great. that's kind of the the core of you know all of our ministries is having to come to this place ourselves of understanding what this is supposed to look like before we can really talk to other people mm-hmm. about it if we want to fight and i think the best way to deflect satan's attack of course is to draw nearer to god So why is it hard to invite God and maybe more specifically Jesus into our sexuality and our sexual expression with our husbands? Yeah, really good question. You know, I think we've grown up with this idea that sexuality and spirituality are separate. And, um, you know, a couple thoughts go along with that. You know, God is holy and sex is dirty. So we need to separate those or maybe you know, sex is very personal and vulnerable, intimate, and God is awesome and distant. Um, you know, he's out there and my sexuality is so personal. Uh, and so I think those are paradigms that Satan uses to keep us in that thought that God really wouldn't want us to be praying about our sexual, sexual intimacy with our husbands or even acknowledging that God is there when you and your husband are having sex. You know, he's there when you're having a sexual yeah. thought. He's there when you're sinning sexually. Um, we just want to push that reality out of our mind and think, you know, he's not interested in this part of who I am. I'm not interested in him being involved in this part of who I am. Um, so, you know, it's a lot of conditioning and training over time where I think we've really believed that lie 
that uh, God is totally separate from sexuality. Um, whereas when you read the scripture, the opposite is true. And he speaks about sexuality often, so often, and actually uses it as a metaphor to help us understand intimacy with him. So, um, so I think it's tradition. I think it's training over time. It's our shame. Um, you know, it's, it's our own secrets that we don't want to be exposed. But, uh, there's so much healing and freedom when we can tear down that divide between God and our sexuality. Julie, what you said about picturing God being, or realizing that God's there when you're actually having sex with your husband makes me think when I was in youth group years and years ago, I asked our youth group leader, when you're having sex, how do you, how do you have sex knowing that God sees? And I was curious and what a great opportunity that youth group leader had to really address this. And he just, he, he had no answer. I mean, not even to say, let me think about that and get back to you. He just said, well, you're just not thinking about God then. And wow. that oh, was a very clear message that sex, wow. God, totally separate. And, and that's really been a hard thing. And, you know, but I think too, how often do we think of sex as just a physical thing and God is spiritual, so obviously they have nothing to do with each other. When you look at sex, sex as part of your, sexuality as part of your whole self, it's harder to compartmentalize those. Yeah, I've heard that one too a lot, the physical thing and the, um, and kind of the, the other one is we talk about the acts of the spirit and the, the acts or the, the acts of the flesh in the New Testament. But when you actually read those, all the flesh stuff is clearly sin. And it's not a matter of that it's physical per se, it's sinful. And so it's sinful desires within you. But I think we kind of mess those things up. And and I, and I love what you said about feeling like God is distant versus this is personal. And um, But I've just heard those things too. And I, and I think about all the times though in scripture where things had the spirit had a physical manifestation and i mean even jesus when he reached people he would touch them to heal them and so i think god in his his desire for intimacy with us wants to have that kind of reaching out to us and our sexuality can represent that i think for me it was hard to invite him in because i hadn't heard any good scripts and so I wrote a post about the 25 reasons God made sex great because I hadn't heard those things and hadn't even contemplated those until 15 years into our marriage. That was a good post. Uh, it was. Oh, thanks. That's what I had to reframe, retrain my brain by thinking the positive things. You know, as you say that, Bonnie, I'm just thinking of all the things that I take for granted now, um, you know, truths that I've learned about God's design for sexuality and his healing and redemption. And it's hard to even remember um, the way I thought 10 years ago. You know, I, I need to pull out some old journals and remind myself. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I grew up in the church, grew up in, you know, going to great churches and Bible studies. But I still uh, had such a warped view of sexuality and God um, because it just frankly wasn't talked about. It wasn't taught. And, um, you know, like your experience, Chris, I think we can all point to times where we've had the courage to bring something up or ask a question and walked away kind of feeling either confused or shamed for even asking that. 
um, you know, or admitting to somebody that I'm struggling with this or I suffered sexual abuse or, um, you know, just so many experiences you hear about where people do venture into that territory of where's God in the midst of my questions and they got shut down. Um, but it's really cool to be in a different place where, you know, I, I've had years and years and years now to be rooted in the scripture and understand what redemption looks like in this area so long now that it's hard to remember, you know, those feelings of shame, those feelings of confusion around God and sexuality. I love that you use that word redemption in this area. Yeah. You know, I think so often we talk about healing and there are times where God heals. Um, he doesn't promise to heal though. He promises to redeem. And the difference is, is healing is like, wow, I'm living as if that never happened. Redemption is I'm living in a way that God has made good out of the harm. Mm. Uh, and the scars are still there, but they speak of something profound and deep in my life. <laughs> mind blown. <laughs> I just did my mind blown <laughs> gesture. Yeah. Well, I think what you, you're saying should give our younger listeners a lot of hope, especially if they are struggling with whatever kind of sexual brokenness since we all have. But it should give them hope to think that 10, 15 years down the road, after a lot of intentional work, you forget about the pain. You, you you remember that it was there, but you can't really feel it viscerally anymore. Well, the the, the wounds become scars, so you yeah. know they're there. That's how I always think about it is it's not that they weren't there. You know they're there, but they don't hurt anymore mm -hmm. in the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've talked to woman after woman who will actually say, I hated what I had to go through, but I wouldn't change it. Mm -hmm. Whether it's my husband wasn't faithful or I struggled with a sexual addiction or I was abused, you know, I hated it. But looking back, I wouldn't change it because what God has done in my life has made me who I'm who I am today. And I think when you can look at any challenge that way or any wound that way, like God has the potential to work in such a way that our marriage is going to be one day stronger because of this. My faith in God's going to be stronger. My testimony of his power is going to mm -hmm. be stronger. You know, that's where the encouragement is. It's not that all your pain is magically gone. Hi, this is Jay Parker. We'll get back to the podcast in just a minute, but I wanted to let y'all know about my latest book. Here on Sex Chat for Christian Wives, we're comfortable chatting about all kinds of topics related to sex, but it's not always easy to have such conversations with your spouse, is it? My new book has you covered. Pillow Talk, 40 Conversations About Sex for Married Couples guides you through 40 different topics from kissing to building trust in the bedroom to erogenous zones and orgasm. The work is done for you with each chapter introducing the issue, providing questions to ask one another, walking you through what the Bible says about the topic, and giving you a couple of action items to put into practice what you've learned. Pillow Talk is intended for couples anywhere from struggling with sexual intimacy to just wanting to spice things up. You'll take the conversation where it should go while keeping it positive and productive. If you want to better understand your spouse and want them to understand you, if you want to agree more about what your marriage bed should look like, if you're ready to take the next step in nurturing intimacy, check out Pillow Talk, the number one new release in Christian marriage on Amazon. Links to buy or learn more are in the show notes. Now back to our virtual kitchen table. So since we're a lot about practicality, 
on this podcast. Let's talk about some practical ways we can help women move past compartmentalizing sex away from God and and blend God into their thoughts about sexuality. What are some practical things they could do? Well, they can sign up for one of my uh, passion pursuit studies, Julie. <laughs> I've uh, I've led several groups online through your passion pursuit, and it's really been um, every time it's a little different. But and you know, I always have some women who can't make it past the first chapter because yeah. I think they they almost need like a preparation course before they're ready for for that. Yeah. Um, but for the women who, who pursue and go through it, there's so much growth and change that happens. And I, I love mm. to be able to witness that. So, mm. yeah, I'm leading another one in the spring, I think. Wow, that's great. I didn't know that. It's great to hear. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, that's really encouraging. Yeah, that whole study really is designed to tear down that wall um, between God and your sexuality and marriage. Um, so that's a good step. Yeah, I think something as simple as praying about your sex life is huge. It sounds little, but it's huge. And uh, and you realize that it's difficult. Like before you and your husband have sex, like just saying, hey, can we pray first or after? And at first it feels, or during, it feels weird, you know, like to say, God, thank you so much for that amazing experience we just had. Thank you for this gift. Or, um, Lord, just please help our thoughts to honor each other and honor you and help us to have fun. Um, you, nobody tells you to do that. Um, you're praying about um, the sexual struggles that you have um, personally or with you and your spouse just getting on your knees and saying, Lord, I know you care about this part of my life. Would you, would you bring healing? Would you bring truth? Would you redeem? Um, that is a very simple, practical way that you are saying, I want to invite God into this aspect of my life and my marriage. And very few people do that. I do. And I have a very specific situation where I pray during sex and, um, when I'm when I've been struggling with my thoughts or if our relationship has been a little bit strained, I pray during sex and I have a very specific prayer. I tend to pray in images rather than words. And so my prayer is an image of angels with their backs to the bed because they're trying to give us some privacy. <laughs> stand, standing guard against the enemy to protect our marriage bed from mm. the slings wow. and arrows of the enemy. Mm. And mm. it is a very powerful prayer for me when I, as soon as I am envisioning that, it all of a sudden feels like that place has been made holy and all the problems are outside on the other side of those angels. I know that sounds really weird, but no, I it's, know, a, it's, it's a very practical I, thing I, that I've works. Actually, mm -hmm. I imagine like God in our bedroom, you know, standing by the bed and like smiling and and I and I know that sounds odd. I said that to someone one time. They're like, ooh, you know, ooh, and I'm like, I know. I but but you know, this is part of the process too. Is you kind of hit this journey and you get to the point where that it was awkward the first few times I imagined it. But then I was like, that's really what's happening. And I, you know, I never before wanted to yell, oh my god, in the middle of sex because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to use God's name in vain. That's how I anyway. That's just kind of how I personally view that and. But now I'm like, I could say, oh, God, when something's happening and I'm literally 
thinking, oh God, thank you for making this pleasurable and intimate and beautiful. Well, I think I think a lot of our young wives that listen do need to have permission to pray about sex. It's a brand new concept for some, and it's totally okay. For so long, my prayers about sex were, dear God, please change my husband's sex drive. Change him instead of inviting God into the process of my own growth and change. Yeah, praying about my husband was very different than what God really wanted me to pray about. I pray about my sex life, but not as often like right when it's happening. But I, but I think, but I think, you know, you can pray about it anytime, but I think it, I think there is something beautiful about doing it around the time. I should probably try to come up with that more. I think about God's Shekinah glory, the, I think that's used in reference to when he was a pillar of fire Kind of a, I need to look it up again, but it's, it's just a powerful thought of the light and the radiance and the glory. And I, I think about that in reference to our sexual intimacy sometimes when, when things are just really special and I just want to be grateful, like you've mentioned. That's I think it's I- also important to, to uh, identify the areas where you have wrongful scripts. And so like reading Julie's book and seeing like where, you know, what do I relate to in this? And where have I picked up wrong messages? And then starting to rehearse in your mind a different truth. And so that was really important for me. Like I talked about earlier, having, you know, this word go through my head or having trouble forgiving myself. And there were actually a couple of scriptures that I memorized. And when I felt that way, I would say those scriptures back to myself in my head. And it took a while it, it took longer than I wished it would take, <laughs> as, mm-hmm. as things sometimes do in the growth of our spirits. But it it eventually kind of absorbed those new truths, mm-hmm. and they became part of how I viewed God and sex. I think it probably took me about five years of real intentional study. I read a lot of blogs. I read a lot of books. I read Linda Dillow's um, Intimate Issues. Mm-hmm. Um I just did a lot of in-depth, but it probably took five years to really start working through those scripts mm-hmm. to understand that. that. Um, but you but you could feel like, I mean, I think when you have five years, I mean, that seems a little daunting. But I feel like when I was working through it, it took the whole th- process took a long time. But I do feel well, like I started to feel a little traction. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it took that took longer also than I wanted it to. But. I did start feeling some traction. Like I'm get, I'm getting somewhere. I'm not there, but I'm getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I just want to encourage the wives out there. Right. I didn't <laughs> mean five process. years. Right. No, no, no. I didn't think you were saying that, but I'm just saying it is a process. But you, you will. It won't. It won't be your five when you go. Oh well. It all. You know. Right. Now it's all open. It's a continuum. <laughs> it's a continuum. You know, I've been on this journey for eight years now. I think, and I still am on the journey, and I still don't have it all figured out, and I still have times when I struggle, and those negative, you know, sex negative thoughts come through my head. But I, I, I do. I, you know, I go back to the scripture, and I'll say things out loud, and I'll pray, and. All those things help me get right back on track. Well, I think we're all on that journey. I don't think any of us are there. Well, Julie might be. (laughs) Well, Julie might be. I'm not. She might be leading the pack here, but. (laughs) 
know, I tell people I just teach what I uh, what I learned five minutes earlier. So <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. okay. Well, let's move on. One sentence you wrote, Julie, says there is a difference between trying to live a perfect life and trying to live in perfect surrender. In the book, this sentence was more in regards to sexual sin and brokenness. But wives have other things that they hold tight control on that affects their sex lives, too. How does surrendering to Christ's control of all areas of our lives affect our attitudes towards sexuality and sexual expression? Well, you know, I think this dovetails very well into what we were just saying. And, you know, if you have the view that one day you're going to arrive and you're going to see this, you know, perfectly and your your marriage is going to be perfect, or at least on your part, uh, you're doing this 100% perfectly, uh, a couple things happen. Number one, I think you begin to be rooted in self-absorption. You know, even with the best intention of being the best wife, it's all about you. Um, what am I doing well? What am I not doing well? Uh, you know, am I perfectly healed? Um, you know, am I saying no to every temptation? Uh, it becomes very legalistic and you know, the, the amazing thing about intimacy and love and sexuality is you really don't enjoy it unless you let go of yourself um, and you stop observing and critiquing even yourself and you, you give into the intimacy and the passion of being with your spouse. And I think the same thing is true with God, you know, that you can approach your spirituality as a list of do's and don'ts and how am I doing on my spiritual walk? Did I have my quiet time? Am I better than the person next to me in my spiritual walk? And you totally lose the wonder of just knowing who God is and experiencing him, his delight for you and your delight for him. And so, um, you know, I think, again, even with the best intentions, if you have a personality like mine where you're goal-oriented and you're perfectionistic, you're defeating yourself. Um, you know, instead of just surrendering to the process of what God wants to do in my heart and accepting that I'm never going to get this 100% right, but nobody's expecting me to, you know, I just want to be fully present. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that is so true that the sense of surrender in that and it is it is hard. You know, a lot of us, I think a lot of women struggle with feeling like things are performance based. Yeah. And we also sadly compare ourselves to others. I know when I go onto Facebook and people post all the things they've sewn or cooked or, I don't know, craft projects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, I can't even sew a straight hymn. In fact, actually, I will say this. In my kitchen, I have a, a, a sign. So very true. It says, I kiss better than I cook. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just want out there. That, you know, if that's what's required to be a good wife, I'm just, I'm out. The cooking is not going to happen. But, um, but we do, we get, we feel very performance based and we can, when we start kind of even growing in the sexuality area, we can start feeling like that. And I know a lot of wives who also feel like they're comparing themselves to other women. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know what, it's, there's just something beautiful about surrendering this, to God and just saying, God, make me who you want me to be in my own marriage bed. Yeah, I think a lot of this plays out in body image, too. You know, how many of us are hung up on um, having a great sex life means I have to look like this. Mm -hmm. And if I don't look like this, then there's all this shame. 
and it can't fully be what it's supposed to be. And that's all a lie. Um, you know, the greatest lovers are those who are not aware of themselves. They get lost in the passion, um, which means not thinking about stretch marks and cellulite. It's like, you know what? Everything that I am, I'm giving to my husband and re and accepting that he's enjoying that and I'm enjoying him. You know, it, you know, all of this, I think even legalism, you know, there's so many Christian wives who feel like, oh, we're not supposed to say this or do this or I can't, you know, and they just get so locked up in the do's and the don'ts that they forget the whole purpose of it is getting lost in intimacy. So I think there's a lot of ways that we control ourselves out of really experiencing what God wants us to. One of the things that has helped me a lot with some of those issues is to not be thinking about what I see in the mirror as much as what I see in my husband's eyes. Because what I see in the mirror doesn't match what I think, you know, a sexy woman is supposed to be like. But when I look at my husband's response to me, it totally shifts my perspective and reminds me that this is not about me and my image and what I see. It's about us together and how we respond to each other. Focusing on his eyes is a much, much better thing than the mirror. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. And I think I think that the church really makes it harder for women. I mean, it's hard enough in the culture, mm -hmm. kind of the messages that women are getting. Uh, and I think the church just makes it even harder. You know, you should be this way. Your marriage should be this way. You should be doing mm -hmm. this. Um, you know, the body image is something that we've talked a lot about here, and it's really a struggle. And I think even there are churches that reinforce that. You know, there's a certain type of pastor who talks about his smoking hot wife from, yeah. you know, that was a phrase, you know, that was popular for a while. I mean, that just, uh, you know, it just reinforces messages that are so negative to women mm -hmm. and so deflating. Um, and so we, we talk a lot about encouraging women to, um, as Chris said, kind of change their focus from, you know, what the world says is a sexy woman or a beautiful woman to what God says, to what your husband believes, to what you can see is happening in your marriage. But it's very, very difficult. As I got farther down the road, um, surrender didn't come easy. And I knew that God gave me permission to surrender. I, I knew I was far enough into the journey that I knew the good things that God was teaching but I finally had to give myself permission to kind of let go because mm -hmm. um, I am kind of a type A when it comes <laughs> to certain things. <laughs> and, um, and, but letting go was a process just like learn, unlearning the wrong scripts is a process. Mm -hmm. But once I got closer and closer, the freedom got greater and greater. Yeah. Um, it was amazing. Well, yeah. And y'all know me. I mean, part of, part of what I think helped was sort of seeing the humor in sex, <laughs> honestly, um, in the sense that, you know, we can worry about, oh my gosh, what is my face looking like right now? What kind of crazy expression am I making? You know, oh my gosh, this position, I would never get into this otherwise, um, you, you know, or, you know, uh, he, he, my hair just got yanked. I don't know, whatever it is. And, and, 
just being able to surrender to that, I think is also, there's, there's both things I think that have happened is that it's, I've deep, the, the marriage bed has deepened for me in, in being sacred, but in other ways I've kind of lightened up and let go of that and just said, okay, you know, it's okay if this seems a little dorky to me, we're both really enjoying this and that's beautiful and that's something we share. It's the best fun two grown-ups could have together. I think we're getting towards the end of our discussion right. here, ladies. I mean, we went through all our questions. Got any final comments? Any more practical advice? You know, one thing that I you've you've touched on, Bonnie, that I think go together. Uh, you talked about you know unearthing lies and replacing them with truth, and we also talked about um, not having freedom and feeling like you have to be in control, which is really rooted in fear. You know, any time that you don't want to surrender is because you're afraid. Maybe um, because you've experienced in the past being hurt when you were unguarded. Um, You know, what's going to happen if you surrender, if you lose control? Um, And really, those are two of Satan's calling cards, are fear and lies. Um, Anytime you see fear and anytime you see a lie, that's a stronghold of the enemy. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm talking to women about, you know, they'll, they'll say, well, how do I start? You know, how do I get started in just inviting God to bring healing into, into my life, into my sexuality? Those are the two things that I would encourage you to do is to look for lies and look for areas of fear. And actually, when I get stuck, whether it's in marriage or sexuality or any other aspect of life, that's the first thing I want to pray mm-hmm. is, you know, God, show me, first of all, lies that I'm believing. And second of all, show me where I'm living by fear. Um, because we know from God's word that, you know, Jesus is truth that sets us free and that there's no fear in love, um, that, that he casts out our fear. Um, so those are just practical ways that I think we invite God to begin um, showing us how we've been in bondage and how he wants to set us free. I think that's a really important point because I think it's quite possible to be an adult woman in marriage for a long time and not even know that you're believing lies. Yeah. I mean, you're believing the things that have been taught to you and you're believing the things you've seen all around you. I mean, I can think of things where I was a grown up well into marriage And I had no clue. I mean, it was like I didn't even know to look for this or I didn't even know to be aware of this because it was just what. So I think that's very helpful to say if you're feeling stuck in some way, if you're feeling frustrated, just begin to look for lies, begin to look for what you're fearful about. Ask God to reveal it to you, because I think a lot of women through no fault of their own, have just really bad information that they've internalized. You know, one of the ones we've talked about a lot is sex is for my husband. I mean, yeah. I think that's a very common, you know, mm-hmm. that's just one of a thousand. Yeah, and the other but big one is my sexual response is supposed to look like my husband. Right, exactly. And that's just two. But if you believe those two, then you're operating from a really difficult place in your marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's the thing, Gay, um, when you say that, I remember feeling like I was surprised to realize that the lie felt more true than the truth. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, that's part of the journey. Like when you first hear truth, like let's say you believe the lie that, you know, I never really 
can experience great sex because of, of the things I've done in the past. You know, God can never really forgive me. That's a lie, but it feels so much truer than the truth mm-hmm. that Jesus's blood covers yeah. sins. And, um, you know, that keeps us stuck in a lie because we think, well, if it doesn't feel true, then it must not be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a real revelation for me that, that often the truth is going to feel very, um, not real. Um, you know, and you can't, you can't go based on what feels right mm-hmm. you have to go based on what right. God says. Because women very, a lot of women are very much emotional. Yeah. And, yeah. and, trust, and we've also their emotions. heard, we've, we've heard the message so much that yeah. we've absorbed it very deeply. And, you know, we have to, we, it takes time to replace that. Yeah. So is there actually the way our yeah, it is. work, which I'm sure Julie, clinical psychologist can tell us that, that there's, you know, you kind of have these, um, it's almost like you wear out these grooves in the way you think, right. and then you're trying to get something pathways. to go in a different direction, a different mm-hmm. pathway, and it's mm-hmm. a hard switch. Yeah, it is. Anyway, I, I also just want to say um, your books are great, and uh, also if anyone gets a chance, because I got to attend one of your Authentic Intimacy events, and so if any of the ladies out there get an opportunity to go to one of those, I highly encourage it. It was really excellent. And, and I and I get to go to one in January. So so if anybody's any of our listeners are in the Minneapolis area in Jan, January, uh, send me an email and I'll send you the info. <laughs> Great. Who who goes to Minneapolis in January? I know. (laughs) People who love snow. Some of us are weird like that. You're a glutton for punishment, Julie. The good thing is, what else is there to do in Minneapolis in January except for come to the conference? So (laughs) go home and love on your husband. Yeah. 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 There's a reason why there are, you know, a lot of. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of uh, fall birthdays because. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> what else is there to do? <laughs> well, ladies, that's all the time we have today. So please check out the Authentic Intimacy website where you can find Julie's latest book, Rethinking Sexuality, as well as a lot of others, including the Passion Pursuit study that Chris talked about. You can get the book there, but then check out the Forgiven Wife for the next dates. And I guess we can put all that in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, and we'll have the authentic intimacy link there too. Um, and as everyone just said, I, I too can tell you that um, Julie's, Julie's conferences are amazing. I've been to several of them. They're full of humor and insight, and I never leave without being changed or have, or have heard a new thought to, to chew no on. No wonder you look different. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, each time. <laughs> It's the My Shekinah glory is just coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you all. Yeah, Have a great you. night. Thanks Thank you, Julie. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us today on Sex Chat for Christian Wives. We encourage you to check out our website at sexchatforchristianwives.com where you can find show notes and links to resources. That's sexchat for F-O-R, christianwives.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please take just a few minutes to leave a review on iTunes so that others can find the show and tell a friend about us. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to reach out to new listeners. We appreciate you being with us today, and we pray that God blesses you this week as you pursue healthy and holy sexual intimacy in your marriage.